Hello, everyone. This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to another podcast. This is the 13th episode, and a lot of people think that the number 13 is unlucky. I have always thought that it was lucky. It was my father's football number when he played in high school, and I've never really been superstitious about that. However, in the fishing world, there's a lot of old wives' tales and superstitions about a lot of things. And the older I get, the more I realize a lot of that is complete and total crap. I tend to believe that you can curse yourself, depending on what you say. I would have to say I'm torn on a lot of things when it comes to superstitions and old wives' tales. For example, catching a fish on the first cast. I know for some people, it's ideal. But when I'm guiding and we catch a fish on the first cast, it's either a bad omen or a good omen. And you never really know. So maybe it's not an omen at all. I remember one time fishing with my father on Chalk Creek. We were fishing for cutthroats, and we happened to catch a gigantic sucker. And in talking about it, he knew that a lot of people would eat them, but they had a little bit of a bad reputation because they were considered a trash fish. So I said I was game to try it if he was game to try it. So we bonked that sucker and took it home. We ended up gutting that sucker, just like we would normally gut a trout, We didn't scale it, but we left the skin on. And then we ended up throwing it on the grill. The meat of the sucker was white, flaky, and it was actually a really good eating fish. I used to hear the same thing when I was in the Midwest about pike. That pike weren't good to eat. Or that pike were only good to eat if you caught them during the wintertime when you were ice fishing and the the water was really cold. Well, I've had pike pickled and I've had pike fried. I think that it's a good eating fish. When you compare it to yellow perch or walleye, yeah, I don't think it's as good. It doesn't have that sweetness that the perch and the walleye has. But pike tastes like pike. Sucker tastes like sucker. If you're trying to compare them with other things, like halibut, salmon, trout, char, yeah, they don't taste the same. But it's a great eating fish. And it has a little bit of a bad rap. You have people who almost get into fights about what the best fish to catch is. You'll have some people who will lose their mind if somebody kills a bass to eat. And it's interesting when you start looking at the whole monetary side of it. Because a lot of those old wives tales either started out from one bad experience or one person trying to keep a group or some people from doing something. I have a couple of stories that will explain that point just a little bit. I spent a couple years in Brazil. And sometimes as you would get farther and farther away from the bigger cities into the smaller and rural areas and speaking to some of the old timers, they would have almost a completely different structure. Now the people in Brazil are an amazing people. They're kind and caring. They may not even know who you are, but they'll invite you into their home, feed you dinner, chat with you, and truly be friendly right out of the chute. Well, I was chatting with one elderly woman one day, and she was explaining to me why you should never, ever, ever mix mangoes and milk. It will give you a gastrointestinal distress like you've never had before. Now, I'm not trying to embarrass the woman. I didn't really say anything, but that's not true. I've had mango milkshakes my whole life. I ate mangoes all the time. There was never a delay between mangoes and milk. 
And doing a little bit of research on the topic, I found out that in a lot of the old fruit producing areas, a lot of the people that worked there were quite destitute. And the overseers of these ranches would give people milk as rations. And then they would tell them that they couldn't eat mangoes, for example, with the milk because they would get sick or die. And it was really just so that the people that were there that were impoverished wouldn't eat the fruit because they were afraid. So it increased yields. And things like that get perpetuated on down the line to the point that you'll hear something from somebody and you'll believe it. Where I live now, the Rocky Mountain whitefish has an extremely bad rap. A lot of people think it's a trash fish. But it's a native fish. It has a firm white flesh. And even growing up, I always heard that it was slimy, bony, scaly. The only way that you could prepare it that was decent was smoke. So after college, when I spent some time in the Midwest, I didn't go into a grocery store where there wasn't smoked whitefish. Now that type of whitefish was a little bit different than the Rocky Mountain whitefish. But there were smoked whitefish there all the time. They're easily caught on a fly. They fight really hard. And... Contrary to popular belief, they're delicious. They have no more bones than a trout, but you tend to catch whitefish that run a little bit larger, I think, than trout, depending on where you're fishing. You can fillet them out. You can pull out the pin bones. I've had them fried. I've had them battered and deep fried. I've made them into fish tacos. I've had them baked, smoked. Pretty much any recipe that you can do with a firm... White fish will work with white fish. Imagine that. I was also taught while I was growing up, because we have a lot of wild choke cherries in northern Utah, southwestern Wyoming, and we would gather choke cherries during the season, make choke cherry jams and jellies, syrups. And I was also told because they make your mouth pucker a little bit, if you've never had choke cherries, it's similar to a persimmon. If you haven't had a persimmon or choke cherry, you should probably get out, enjoy some of these delicious foods. But I was also told that you can't have milk two hours before or two hours after you eat choke cherries. What's that about? Now, if you haven't learned from some of my previous podcasts, I kind of live my own life to the beat of my own drum. I enjoy living life to the fullest. And when somebody tells me I can't do something, more often than not, I either dig in to figure out why or I just try it anyway and find out on my own. So the choke cherry thing... I started out putting choke cherry syrup on top of vanilla ice cream. It worked great. It was fantastic. I would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with choke cherry jelly and have a glass of milk with it. Also no problems. So from time to time, I think that these old wives' tales that we hear aren't really grounded in truth. But do your research. Look them up. See what you think. But sometimes you have to question your own belief system. Before I came to Wyoming was able to hunt antelope, I had heard horror stories about antelope meat. That it really wasn't any good, that you couldn't make it taste good. But if you listen to any of Randy Newberg's podcasts, antelope meat is his favorite. I was very fortunate in my early college days to work at a restaurant where I was able to apprentice under a chef. The skills I learned in that job I've used my entire life, and I continue to study and learn more about cooking. Similar to Randy Newberg, I would say that pronghorn antelope is my favorite meat. Elk takes a close second, 
But my wife and I have found a patch of service berries and choke cherries in the middle of nowhere that the deer eat pretty religiously. Every single deer that we have killed near that spot has such thick back fat, it is amazing. And those mule deer are outstandingly delicious as well. So does it tie in a little bit to the diet of the animal? I'm sure it does. Ducks that are shot in the California rice fields have a white fat, and they are also very delicious. I've had duck that I loved and duck that was a little difficult. Sometimes you'll get one of those animals, though, that you can just tell. It's either going to be tough or it's going to be a little chewy or it just doesn't have the right flavor, something that you're looking for. But then you can still make summer sausage, jerky, all these different types of charcuterie. And you can't know before you pull the trigger or release an arrow the flavor of the animal that you're shooting. But most of the bad dishes I've had were due to the preparation, the butchering, the field care, or the cooking itself, and not the animal. Another old wives' tale is the whole banana on the boat thing. I didn't even know that that was something that you shouldn't do until I was on a boat off the coast of Florida, deep sea fishing, and I thought the captain was going to lose his mind, grabbing the bananas out of the cooler and throwing them off the boat. To his credit, that was a pretty crappy day of fishing, but he was the captain, so... Maybe because of the bananas, he took us to a crappier spot. Hard to say. Old wives' tales in the outdoors. All the little things you hear. You can't eat that. Avoid these areas. And don't listen to all those old wives' tales. Most of those have a history, but most of them aren't even true. At least the ones that I'm worried about. So don't worry about all those old wives' tales. And just get out there and live your stories.